Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Nothing is strong enough to thwart the purpose of God for your life. Nothing, 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 nothing is strong enough. And God has a very amazing way of making all things work together for our good. And so that's why we need to be grateful in this season, in all things. The Bible didn't say for all things. It says in all things. That is, be grateful. You see, we live in a world where people busy themselves trying to locate the cause of everything. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 9 as we begin to share the Bible, share the word. Amen. 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 <laughs> Praise God. I've never had the opportunity of teaching from my home. So this is, it's a great privilege to the home uh, of, or the household of Chloe, Paul speaking. So you see, there were churches in homes back in the day. There were churches in, in homes and houses. So this is a rare privilege to host the gathering of the believers. So, John chapter 9, there was a man who had, you know, <laughs> who had been born blind for 38 years. So let's just read. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was born blind. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And you see, this is a scripture that shows us the logic of God, the mindset of God. The, the way God thinks, the way God thinks, it's amazing. The way man thinks was contrasted with the way God thinks here. The way man thinks is that now that we are having the worst crisis that humanity has ever experienced, who caused it? Who started it? Oh, there is a conspiracy theory against China. Oh, it is the devil trying to afflict the world. Oh, it is God trying to punish the sins of the world. And there are postulations and there are theories and people are drawing up constructs, trying to just pin it down to something, as though knowing the cost will solve it. As though once you know who cost it, you have the solution. <laughs> because it doesn't always have that, you know, uh, it doesn't always come across like that. It doesn't always happen that way. But it's been ingrained in human thinking that once you find the cost of a thing, then you have also found the person that must solve it. But it's a wrong thinking. It's a bug in the, mind, in the mind of human beings. It's a bug. It is not consistent with the way God thinks. Remember when we were young and then we break a plate or something, or someone breaks a plate, and then your mom comes back from work and she sees the plate broken, and the first thing you say is what? It's not me. <laughs> That's when John goes up there and says, it's not me, it's not me. And then they say, who is it? Because you have in your mindset that whoever it is that is responsible for breaking that plate must be responsible for replacing it. If you cannot replace it, then you must have the china used as, you know, instruments of decoration on your cheeks. Because that's what they treated us with. I will use that thing to, to make marks on your cheeks. They will threaten you with that. And so that always became a mental picture in your head. If you don't want to have travel marks too early, then you dare not break any china and all of that. And it, it was just something we grew up with. Whatever cost something must be responsible for the solution. So perhaps the disciples were thinking, whatever it is that costs that this man be born blind must be the one responsible for opening his mind or opening his eyes. Who sinned? And that's the question human beings always ask. I mean, the social media right now is replete with so much oscillations and theories. 
Oh, this is God's judgment. Oh, this is the devil's affliction. Oh, this is a Chinese virus. Oh, this is something that emanated from this place and several stuff out there. So many videos, so many news on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere. Everybody has become, you know, some sort of mobile telecast, you know, company now. Your status is now some sort of updates, you know, streaming every single second. You're putting up updates every now and then. How many people have now infected the world? How many people are infected in Lagos now? The numbers have grown from 70 to 81. Oh, now in Italy, the numbers have grown from 5,000 to 10,500 deaths. Oh, that's peaked. And then you become a scientist, you become a zoologist, you become a biologist all overnight, and a telecaster, and all of that. And all in a bid to just, in quote, help the situation. But you see, that is not the pattern and the logic of God. It's not the logic of God. It may look like what we are used to. It may look like what we have been trained to respond with. That's the kind of attitude we are trained to respond with. Who caused this thing? Why is this man born blind? But the amazing thing about Jesus is that he doesn't go to those kind of elementary conversations. He doesn't come down to that level. And so when you see a leader who's always trying to trade blames, that's not a good leader. Who caused it? Why did you do it? When did it happen? Why did you tell me when it happened? You see, because God is always about moving forward. Now that we are here, how do we move forward? Jesus doesn't come to say, oh, well, it's the father. Because he's not trying to say that the mother didn't sing. He's not trying to say that the man who was born blind didn't sing. But he says it's not consequential. It has nothing to do with getting this man healed. Now that this man has been born blind and he's 38 years old now, how on earth will he see? Is it by going back to what has cost his predicament for the past 38 years? Apparently, that cannot solve it. Even if it cost it, it can't solve it. That something was cost by something does not mean the solution of that thing is in the hand of the thing that cost it. So God comes with another perspective. He says, even though I'm not responsible for the cost of these things, even though he superimposes himself as the one that can change the situation. He says, neither has the man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest. Jesus takes responsibility for the solution. He doesn't try to attack the causes. The root causes. It doesn't try to attack, oh, who caused it? Who made this happen? No, it just goes straight to moving on, moving ahead, moving forward, going ahead. How can we get this man healed? Now that I'm here, I'm getting healed. I don't try trading blames because really, you trade blames and everybody's still as sad as they were before you traded the blames. Everybody's still as hopeless as they were. Praise the name of the Lord. And then Jesus says, I must work the works of him that sent while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. That means now that I'm here, light has come to this man. <laughs> now that I'm here, light, stop talking about darkness and who cause darkness. Light is here already. This man has been blind for 38 years. He's lived all his life in darkness, but light has come. Why are you talking about how he was born blind, he sinned, his mother sinned, Chinese sinned? It's not about any of those things. And you see a lot of people write long posts trying to say it was the devil, trying to say it was God. Really, God is not in that level of conversation. He has moved on. He has moved on from that level of conversation. Because Jesus didn't tell him how he sinned. He just said he didn't sin. I don't know if you understand. He did not say, okay, this is the cause. 
He didn't say, okay, now let's pin it to this. He didn't try to develop that mindset and try to, you know, just accommodate that thinking pattern. That it was not his mother, it was not his father, it was not him, it was somebody. He didn't, he didn't tell us who he was. He just said, whatever it is, whoever cost it, that's not, that is discounted. That doesn't matter. Light has come. I take responsibility for light. I take responsibility for healing. I take responsibility for progress. I take responsibility for prosperity. You have been poor. You're like, well, my father made me poor. My mother made me poor. I was born in a poor background. God does not talk on that level. Now that you have met me, I'm the light of the word. That is how Jesus thinks. He doesn't trade blames. He takes charge. He takes responsibility. Was Jesus to blame for the sin of man? Was Jesus to blame? He was not to blame, but he took responsibility for the solution for that sin. He was not to blame. He was not the one that caused Adam to fall. He was not the one that caused Eve to eat. He was not the one that caused the devil to come. But everything happened and all of that, and everybody was busy trading blames. It was the woman who gave me, it was the man who gave me, it was the serpent, and everybody was busy trading blames. But Jesus came and said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That is the logic of God. He doesn't backtrack, he goes forward. Now that we are here, now that the world is suffering from this pandemic that has literally taken the whole world by storm, overnight, literally, overnight, it just, I mean, one week, five cases, another week, you're seeing thousands of cases from five. How did this, how did it jump to 5,000 from five? <laughs> and it looks like the whole earth is being removed. It looks like, like, I mean, this is one time the whole world is fighting one thing. The whole world, 150 countries on earth have been affected. 150 countries on the planet. The whole world, every continent is affected. The whole world is fighting one thing. Never had happened before. Never in the history of mankind. But it is that happening this season that the whole world is dealing with one thing. The whole earth, I would say, is about to be removed. Praise God. Amen. Let me not jump ahead of myself. Praise God. So Jesus says, as long as I am in this world, oh boy. He says, I am the light of the world. I take responsibility for light. And you see, once he left, he made us also co-responsibility. Uh, he made us co-responsible, rather, for the light that will remain in the world. So he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. But how do we, how do we connect to these lights? Because it says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I am. So uh, why do you put that as long as I'm in the world? So what happens when he leaves the world? Mm. The world has a better chance of having light because now the thousands of people that would receive light from him can be dispersed across the world. Because as long as he's in the world, you need to find Jesus to get your light. If you're blind, you better look for Jesus. If you're with the issue of blood, you better look for him and look for his itinerary and go behind the press and touch them with his garments. Because if he doesn't come in, there's no hope of healing. As long as he was in the world, he was the only source of light. He was the only source of light. He was there as long as he was in the world. And so a 2,000-year-old Jesus would have done us no good. Because everybody would have to run to Jerusalem or run to Galilee or run, run to Capernaum looking for Jesus and how to touch the other garment to get our healing. But he said, thank God he used that phrase as long as I'm here. So what happens when he leaves? What happens when he leaves? Because we will not become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because we will not be able to do greater works than he did because he goes to his father. Because now that he's gone to the Father, he has released something in our direction that makes us types of him. That makes us types of him. 
so that we can also say as long as we are in this world. As long as we are in this world, we have the light of the world. We don't go trading blames and telling the world about how it was China's fault, how it was God's fault, how it was the devil's fault. We don't talk on that level. That is the level of conversation. But there is another level of conversation. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. How did he intend to replicate that light? So he looks at him and says, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the, of the blind man with clay, with clay, where he came from, with clay, dust, clay. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came to see him. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we blessed? Are we blessed? Psalms to the 46. Pastor Tim has done a great job in eroding that particular psalm. Amen. Psalms chapter 46. This is a very clear picture of what the world is experiencing right now. It says, God is a refuge and a strength. Amen. Can you say amen after every phrase? God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. When you need 5K, don't you need 5K? <laughs> if I give you 10K after you don't need 5K anymore, it's not as valuable as when I give you 5K when you needed it. The time of need increases the value of the solution at that time. The time of need is what puts the premium on the solution. Not necessarily the solution, it's the time. If you give me a solution after it's no longer necessary, it's as worthless as nothing, right? Because it has missed the time. So Jesus doesn't give you what you need after you have finished needing it. No. He comes with the solution for your need at the time of need. So he says, God is a refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not we fear. Though the earth be removed. Do you know what it means for the earth to be removed? I'm hearing a lot of things out there. And just recently we heard about how an asteroid hit Akure and all of that. Things are happening and the, the frequency of these strange happenings is making a lot of people wonder like, hey, has the hell not come already like this? Is it, is it like God is just waiting to just land on earth and let him just people come already because so many things are happening at the same time. COVID-19, asteroids, stuff. <laughs> it says, though the earth be removed. Do you know what it means for the earth to be literally uprooted from its place? Though the earth be removed. So the, that is, the entire planet is being affected by one single thing at a time. And it says, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. That is, the mountains, the things that have stood the test of time, the rocks, the mountains. It says, though they be carried and thrown into the midst of the sea. If a mountain is thrown into the midst of the sea, the sea will swallow the mountain. And the sea will not look like they're swallowing anything. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if the mountain is no longer there, the sea is quiet like it didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And that is what is almost beginning to happen to economies now. Stock markets, everything is most diving deeply, crashing. Mountains that have survived eons and dispensation are being thrown into the sea. It doesn't even look like they were there before. Because they are crashing at an alarming rate, and it looks like, what are we going to do? The mountains are being thrown into the sea. The waters thereof are roaring and are being troubled. 
waters that are still and calm, your work life, you go to work in the morning, you come back in the evening, everything is fine, you go for a date with your spouse on Fridays and on Saturdays, you take the kids out to the amusement park on Sunday, you go to church and worship God in the 5,000 seat at Cathedral and all of that, and then on Monday you resume sales and you resume work and all of that. All of that has been troubled now. The waters have been troubled. The waters that have been still and calm all these years and all these years, they have been troubled. The Bible says that the mountains are shaking with the swellings thereof. <laughs> the mountains are shaking. They are about to lose their, their, their stand. The, the, the hinges that are holding the mountains together, are, they are really rattling. They are rattling. It's like, it's like everything that used to be stable is not going off course. The Bible says the foundations of the earth are going off course. The foundations of the earth are going off course. But it's amazing why David, out of nowhere, I don't get the link. Out of nowhere, he just begins to say, there is a river. The title of my teaching, that was just an introduction. The title of my teaching this morning is, there is a river. There is a river. There is a river. He contrasted it with all the things that are happening. Though this, though that. Though this, though that. Though all of these are happening. Though stuff are happening in the world, though there are several cases in Nigeria, though Africa has become the second this, though the United States are badly hit, though the numbers are skyrocketing by the day, though the mountains are being removed and passing into the sea, though the earth is being removed, though the waters thereof are rolling and being troubled, though the mountains shake with swellings thereof, there is something we can look for in the midst of all of this crisis. He says, there is a river. Go and look for that river. Where is the river? He says, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There is a river. Someone say there is a river. There is a river. There is a river. There is a river. The Lord have come to explain to us what this river is. There is a river actually east of the city of David. Uh, there is a river east of the city of David. And this river is called the river Shiloah. Shiloah. You see, Isaiah 8 verse 7 tells us that in 3 verse 15 explains to us in clear details what this river is and how it's positioned in the altar or rather in the, in the architecture of the, the temple of God, the city of David, the temple of God in the city of David. And he says there is a river right there and there are streams that feed into that river. <laughs> There are streams that feed into that river. And there are streams that the river feeds into. And Bible talks about how that the interpretation of that river Shiloh, or rather uh, the interpretations of that river Shiloh is a soft, a soft flowing river. Soft flowing river. And you know this morning while I was just still meditating on this scripture, you know, the Lord told me, he said, <laughs> God doesn't try to outdo the storms. It disarms them. Mm. There's a difference. So Abu says that though the earth is removed. So now that the earth has been removed, we expect God to do also something that can remove the earth. Maybe God will look for another planet like Mars and remove Mars too. Or remove it with a, big, a bigger earth or a bigger planet. Just to, to compete with the crisis that is going on. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when, when the mountains are being removed, I will go to Kilimanjaro and say, I will remove my own mountain too. And that's what we're expecting. We're expecting fire for fire. We're expecting God to compete at the level of the crisis. But that's not how he comes. That's, that's how he disarms them. Mm -hmm. 
it disarms all of this crisis with a gentle flowing stream, a gentle flowing river. It doesn't come with all of the boisterous earthquakes and all of that. It doesn't compete. It disarms. The way Jesus came to the storms and said, peace be still, peace be still. He doesn't compete with the crisis. It disarms it. And how it disarms it is with this gentle flowing river. And this river is called Shiloh because you can't get it from, from Psalm 46. You'd have to check out the interpretations to understand that it's referring to the river in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 7, which is also referred to Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 15. You can check it out in your personal time of study because it's actually talking about a natural river, an actual river here. He said, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, which is referring to as the city of David, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High, an actual river. The name of that river is Shiloh. The New Testament name of that river is Siloam. Uh, the same river. The same river. And the, the interpretation of that river, all right, in the New Testament, it says it is saint because Shiloh is a soft flowing river. But in the context where Jesus was speaking in John chapter 9, he says the interpretation of that river there is saint. Another part says it's gift. So if you combine saint and gift, you find saint gifts. <laughs> Praise the name of God. And the only personality that encapsulates that description is the Holy Spirit. He's the saint gift. Jesus is the given son. The Holy Spirit is the saint gift. Jesus was not saint, he was given. The Holy Spirit was sent. And he says, go and wash the clay off in the river Siloam. Because there is a river that makes glad the city of the living God. This river is Siloam in the Old Testament. It is Siloam in the New Testament. And it's interpreted to mean sent. The sent gift. So we all know that this river is referring to the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Now, there's been an indication of this river. Amen? There's a location of this river. Because in the time of trouble, that is the thing to look for. Look for that river. He says, though all of these things happen, though there's crisis, though there's everything, he says, there is a river. The river is an outlier. Even though the whole of his river will be still moving softly. How do you explain it? The whole of his river, the mountains are going to the sea, everything is roaring, and all of that. And you find the river flowing softly. It just defies everything. It defies the logic of the world. It defies everything going on in the environment. It still keeps flowing softly. Softly. It defies it. He looks at it in the face. I'm not going to start vibrating at your frequency. I won't start vibrating at the frequency of the storm and the crisis. I will still keep flowing softly. Softly. John chapter 7. And you see, this would encourage your heart. Verse 37. The Bible says in the last day on the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, if any man thirst, if any man thirst, I've been the only custodian of this river all these 33 years. I'll be carrying this river everywhere I go. Everywhere I find myself, I'm with this river. I need somewhere to discharge it. If any man thirst, let him come, let him come, let him come. Let him come. Let him come to me. Who glory to God. And drink. 
He that believeth on me. As the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Bible says, but this spake he of the Holy Ghost, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So you see why I was saying that as long as he was the world, he was the light of the world? Because he carries that river everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere he went to Jairus' house with the river. Anyone that thought the river got healed. Anyone that was splashed to got healed. Anyone that got a word from that river got healed. He was carried. He was the only custodian of that river. The body of water called the Holy Ghost. He was released on him without measure. And he was the only one that was carrying that river everywhere he went. The man of God saw him and saw the river. Hey, why have you come to a victor before time? And he said only one word. Go and they ran out. Entered into the, the swine and they ran steeply into the river. Praise God. Hallelujah. They saw the river, the gushing river coming from Jesus. He was the only custodian of that river. But he says, guys, come on now. Come on now. Come on now. It's time. Come on. If any man thirst, come. 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 Come and drink of me. He that believed in me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers. But he spake of the Holy Spirit, which they who believe on him shall receive. But then the Holy Spirit had not been given because he had not been glorified. And so what happened the day Jesus was glorified? What happened that day? Praise the name of the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, when he ascended on high, obviously, the Holy Ghost was the sent gift. The sent gift. The sent gift. Sent from on high. To be released on the apostles that were there in the, in the upper room. And they received the Holy Ghost. And they all began to speak with other tongues. And they, all of them received Ah, yeah, yeah. Praise God. All of them received the, the, the volume of water that Jesus carried alone. They received it respectively. Cloven tongues like as a fire sat on each. Each of them. Each of them. They became envoys of that river. That same river. So wherever Peter showed up, wherever John showed up, even though a man was blind or a man was lame and sat at the beautiful gates and they carried the river uh, beside him and this Man looks at them and says, I, I need money. Can you give me money? I said, what we have, well, we don't have money. But what we have, we give you. Take off this river. Take off this river. And they jacked him up and this man began to walk. Because they released of the river that they had received. And so everywhere they went, they carried the river with them. They carried the river with them. And it says that this river is right now inside of us. Everywhere we go, we carry this river. We carry this river. Jesus was the only custodian of this river at some point, but now we are co-custodians. We can, we can dispense this river, we can release this river, and this is the same river that David was referring to in Isaiah, I mean, Psalm 46. He says, though whatever is happening, there is a river. Look for that river. Look for it. But good people, you have to travel to Jerusalem to look for that river. Right here, right now, the river is here. The river is here. The river is here. The Bible says the streams there make glad the seed of the living God. The holy tabernacles of the Most High. The holy tabernacles of the Most High. Who is the tabernacle of the Most High right now? Who is the temple of the Holy Ghost right now? That's me. That's me right there. I carry the river with me. Everywhere. And the river is never perturbed. Never. Never. Oh, the river is going crashing down. Oh, everybody has gotten the virus. The river is still flowing. Yeah. It's still flowing softly. He's not going to say, hey, 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 everybody. No, he never gets perturbed. Never, never. That is not in the nature of the river. 
It's the slam. It, it doesn't. It doesn't flow boisterously. It doesn't flow violently. Let, let's go to Isaiah chapter eight and verse six. So you have an understanding of of this this river we're talking about. It's a gentle river. Amen. 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 Isaiah chapter eight. Praise, Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. He said from verse 5, The Lord spoke unto me, saying, For as much as these people refuse the waters of Shinoah, that go softly. And rejoice in Rezin and Ramalia's son. Who is Rezin? I think we believe that. Who is Rezin? Who is Ramalia's son? Now there will be all the Lord bring it up upon the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory, and he shall come up over all his channels and go all his banks and all of that. At that time, the children of Israel were looking for alliance with the king of Syria. And the king of Assyria, rather, he was a strong guy, ferocious, and all of that. He was violent. And they were thinking that in him, they found defense. In him, they found succor. In him, they found someone that can defend them. Because they refused the deliver of Siloah, that run softly. You know, strong. You cannot do anything. Everything is happening. I'm telling you about one river. Give me a strong man with horses and chariots. A man that can fight battles. And then we know that we are defended. The Lord is our refuge and our strength. And how he shows forth his strength is by sending the river. And this river is never shouting. Softly. Bible says the river of Shiloh. They go softly. 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 And how do you hold up a king? How? How do you how do you hasten a general? How? How do you hasten God? He's never in a hurry. I would say the lion does not turn back for anyone. Yeah. He, 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 won't, he won't miss a step because something tried to scare it. No, he will, he, will, he will glide and turn with grace and glory. That's because he's not afraid of anybody. The river will not change for anybody. Everybody changes for the river. Yeah. The river. And that river is right here on your inside. The river Siloam, the same river Siloam. And look at that man. Go and wash off your clay in that river. I wash off your clay in that river. A lot of us respond in these times like clay. Respond like clay. Respond earthbound. Depending on news. Depending on what CNN says. Depending on what everybody's thinking. Depending on the opinions of men. The clay. Clay bound. Earthbound. Warming. That cannot fly. Still depending on, on ah. This is but go to Siloam. Dip yourself in there, wash it off, wash off the clay, and you'll come back saying, You'll come back saying, The way you see things will be different. How you relate with your world will be different. How you navigate this life will be different. How you interpret situations will be different. How you realize that you are different from everyone around you. It will be different. The way you see things will be different. You have entered Siloam and it will wash off the clay. It will wash off the clay. Yes, you are from clay, but you have to remain clay. Yes, you were made from clay, but there is the breath of the Holy Ghost in you. Yes, you were from clay, but the river ran in your spirit. There is a river. Why did David bring up the river? What's the business of the river in the midst of the crisis? That is the solution to the crisis. The river. That's the river. And just like every other person out there who is trading blames and trying to blame everybody for this. Say it's China, it's God, it's the devil. God is not at that level of conversation anymore. 
He's not talking at that level. If you're still talking at that level, you can't hear God. I'm sorry. You cannot hear God. Oh, this is God trying to, this is the devil trying to, this is China's computer. No, no, you cannot essentially be hearing God at that level of thinking. You can't. That's not the logic of God. Jesus didn't come and start talking at that level. He says, forget about the sin. I'm here and I'm the light. I change everything. I turn things around. That's what I do. And now that you have the river, what does the river provoke you to do? Three things. The river will get you to pray. Wow. It's better to pray. That's the first response of the river in you. You pray. Because that's where you gain out of clay experiences. <laughs> you can see, if you don't pray, you'll be carnal. You see, that's it. The solution to carnality is prayer. If you don't pray, your carnality, if you slice it, see, it will be thick like this because you are not praying. That will happen to Peter. Peter was not praying. Jesus watched with me and I was sleeping. He was not praying. So when the crisis hit, the river was at work, calm, steady. Jesus said, don't worry, I'm here. Arrest me. It's okay. I've dealt with it in the place of prayer. I will do the will of the Father in spite of how I feel right now. I'm okay. And this guy cut off you know, the ear of Malcolm, one of the servants of the high priest. And Jesus said, you don't do that. Jesus was still rebuking him right in the midst of the crisis situation. He was about to go to the cross. He was about to experience the agony he had never imagined in his life. And then he still has enough dexterity, grace, and peace to cement the ear back. And say, don't do that. This is not why. Because he removed the evidence that Peter did such. So Malcolm couldn't have reported to the high priest to make Peter guilty. It was a love that Jesus still did that. He, he removed that, put that ear back, and placed it back on Malcolm. And then he said, you can arrest me. You can arrest me. It's OK. You can arrest me. It's OK. Don't worry. I've decided to go to the cross. It's fine. And then he arrested Why was Peter responding in the flesh? Because when he was supposed to be praying, he wasn't praying. Why did he keep betraying Jesus up and down? Because when he was supposed to be praying, he wasn't praying. Why was everybody? Why, why did they scatter when Jesus needed them the most? Because when they were supposed to be praying, they were not praying. You see, if you do not pray in this season, you will be carnal. You will be carnal. You will be trying to be too logical. You will be too logical about everything. Say, you know, but we are supposed to. See, yeah, we are supposed to, but pray. When you pray, you gain another kind of intelligence. To give another kind of thinking. Give them another kind of intelligence. You will see things from a perspective. You realize that there is, you see, Jesus takes responsibility for outcomes. He doesn't debate causes. You don't understand. He doesn't debate causes. He doesn't debate who did do, didn't do. <laughs> but now that I'm here, this life will end. <laughs> no, we to God. Now that I'm here, this is the end of it. This is how it will end. It will end in praise. Go with me and the other night, joy comes in the morning. So that the glory of God can be manifested in him. He makes those statements. He says, if you had been here before, you didn't look at that. Now that I'm here, I'm resurrection. I'm right. Resurrection can happen right now. <laughs> I determine outcomes. I take responsibility for outcomes. I don't debate causes. Like a lot of what I've been debating online, I didn't do, do no. God doesn't talk at that level. He determines outcomes. And guess what? If you're not praying, you will not be on the same page with him when the outcomes are here. You will be on the same page with him. You will not to position to take full advantage of whatever it is that has happened. You will still be debating causes. You will still be debating. And you'll be you'll be a spectator of the outcomes. You will just be like, ah, it has happened. These people are taking advantage of this thing. Ah. You will just be a spectator. You will be an active participator. Or a particip 
participants. You will be active in that outcome that God is determining. You will just keep debating causes, debating causes. You see, God is not the cause of all evils, but he's the Lord of all evils. You didn't get that. God is not the cause of all evils. Or anything, crisis, is not the cause. But you see, he's the God of everything. He's the Lord over there. He's the Lord of all evils. There is nothing in this life that can happen that does not respond to the Lord of all evils. It's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. He commands. He gives commands. And those things have no option than to follow, than to follow suit. And so, the first thing he makes you to do is to pray. This river, you pray. So you're not one of those people that just be trying to logically explain things away on Facebook. Everybody has not become a pastor. Everybody has not become a commentator. Everybody has become a pundit on this COVID-19. Everybody's status is now CNN. Everybody. Pray. Many people are posting 10 times more than they're praying. 10 times more than they're praying. Pray twice as much as they're posting. That is how to be in the spirit in this season. That's what the Lord will make you do. That's what the Lord will make you do. And when you're done praying, you're not just praying for pain's sake. It will create thoughts in your mind. To put thoughts in your mind. So, it will make you pray. It will make you think. It will make you think. You will think differently. There is nobody that can disrupt like the Holy Ghost. It's called the power of the age to come. Woo! He's already in 2025. He has seen how 2025 has gone. He has seen that it has gone. How, how it has happened. He has seen it already. He has seen 2030. He has seen 2040. Is the power of the age to come. No matter how adverse we are, there is still an age to come. He's there. We can't advance beyond him. He's the power of the age to come. When we get to 2000, he's still the power of the age to come. There is still an age to come. He's there already. He's the power of the age to come. And one of the primary responsibilities of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer in John chapter 16 is that he reveals all truth and then he shows the believer things to come. He's the central intelligence unit of the divinity. He, he shows you things to come. So you're not just praying without sense. You're not just praying, God help us, help us, help us, help us, pray, da, 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 da. After I prayed, no. You're looking for thoughts. You're looking for thoughts. You're looking for thoughts. You're looking for the thoughts. You remember what we said about the thoughts of God? The thoughts of God are very mystical. They are so divergent from your thoughts. When you pray, you bridge the gap. You bridge the gap between your local thoughts and your own kind of thoughts. So when you pray, you bridge the gap, and then you have the opportunity to sow his thought in your heart. And then he sows that thought. He plants that thought. He plants heaven on earth. He plants it in your heart in thoughts. And what it will make you do is to act. This is the chain of transformation. If people don't go through this chain, this is why they make it look like God is just a joke. Because all they are doing is praying. Their prayer doesn't reveal thoughts of God. And doesn't make them act in any way. So all they're just doing is receiving, they're just praying. They're just, they're just sweating. Like I'm sweating. They're just sweating. I'm sweating. I'm praying. And you can see the energy in prayer. But two-thirds of the prayer process has not been achieved. Two-thirds. There is still a thinking to do. There is still an acting to do. And then there are some people that say, we don't need God to pray. We don't, why do we need to pray? We don't need to bridge the thoughts. So they begin to do their local things and act and think and act and think. And all they are doing is still clay. Still clay. Still clay bound. It's still earth bound. It's still all clay. It's still all clay. Because there's no prayer dimension there. There is no infusion of heaven on earth. There is no planting of the heaven on earth. There is no infusion of the 
thoughts of God into their thoughts. Nothing like that. And so what they're doing is, what should we do now? They're planning. They're projecting. They're doing all of those things. That, all of that. And then they're acting without praying. And so those two ends, they can't meet. You are praying, you refuse to act and to think. You are acting and thinking, you refuse to pray. You are doing two different things. And God cannot create anything progressive with that mindset or with those two divergent you know, camps. You can't be doing all of that and then you think God will use those two camps to do something mighty on earth. And that is a Christians need to be responsible in this season. Beyond praying, are you receiving the thoughts of God? Are you already in 2021? At the outcome of this whole saga, have you seen it? Because the Holy Spirit has a responsibility. You know, it's not just a nice thing for the Holy Spirit to do for you. You understand? When a messenger is sent, he is duty bound to do exactly what he has been sent to do. Yeah. Duty bound. What he was sent to do was to reveal to you the future, to show you things to come. He is not doing it. It's not because. He doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to be more interested in showing the future than you are interested in seeing it. You have just not plugged in. You have not prayed enough. You have not connected at that level. If you connect, it will come. To come. You will receive the thoughts of God. You will see things to come. And when you see things to come, you see, you will laugh in calamity. Say, at calamity, you shall laugh. Because you have an intelligence. Something has told you this is how it will all end. If I am watching a movie and you have seen the end of it already, everybody is agitated and scared. Will the actor die? Will he not die? You have seen the end. So you are laughing. Nah, don't worry. Just keep watching. <laughs> keep watching. Because you see the end already from the beginning. It's the power of the age to come. And when you are done thinking, it will give you strategies to begin to execute. And you begin to act. Whatever you need to do. You may tell you to change your line of study or your course or career. Then you know what? Um, that course, you know, see, cook. There's a post-COVID-19 era. <laughs> it will lecture you. Why are you praying? You say, guy, there's something about to happen on the face of the earth. All right? I've seen it in 2025, 2030, 2035, 2040, and this is the next big thing in the next 20 years in the global economy, not just in Nigeria. You need to change your career. What you studied in school cannot work for you in the next five years. Get into this field now. Begin to research these things now. So now we are doing self-isolation by doing it with strategy. Right. Because you can't have this kind of time again. So you are thinking. So you, you go behind your desk and you're Googling, okay, this, this is the next big thing. It doesn't look big now. It doesn't make sense now. But you are doing it because you have gotten intelligence from the power of the age to come. Because it lives in the future like it's the past. So it gives you, it brings realities from that future. <laughs> it brings it near. <laughs> it brings realities from that future you have never seen. It brings it into your consciousness. And it gives you intelligence. And you begin to type it. And, you're, and then you're getting ready for the age to come. For that age to come. Because God doesn't come to be debating causes. He comes to determine outcomes. Doesn't come to be debating causes. Who calls to didn't cause? He comes to determine outcomes. That's what he does. That's what he does. So COVID nineteen, who caused it? I really it's not my business. Sorry. Who didn't cause it? But how will it all end? It will end in praise. It will end for the good of them that love him. And who are the called according to his purpose. That is how it will end. But you see, you can quote that all you care. If you don't get strategies that will make you plug into that actual reality, you just be a spectator in the scene of things. And that's why it's important, guys. It's important that beyond praying, let's look for the thoughts of God. Get his thoughts. The Holy Spirit is duty-bound to reveal the truth to you and to also show you things to come. Things to come. Things to come. Yeah. The power of the to come is there. He will just give you intelligence. This is how it will happen. And then you begin to see how post-COVID-19 era 
No, we had, we had a foretaste of, of that yesterday. We've been doing things in a certain way before, thinking that ah, this is how it will always be. And COVID-19 came to give us an intel and say, guy, 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 you can't continue to like this one. This is how to strategize. And, and then you just tweet something, and then there is an increase. Ah, this is good, this is fine, this is the new direction. This is the new direction. You are not an opportunist, remember? But you are just plugging into the mind of God. And we are praying, I'm just praying for how you can position. You are praying for the entire world. You are sending peace to the nations. Sending peace, sending peace. Because you are responsible, you are responsible for the peace of this nation. You are responsible for the peace of this world. You are responsible. If we are not responsible, God will not ask us to pray for it. He will just say, don't worry, I'll keep you going. It's all at peace. Don't worry, it's all, it's all fine. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They prosper that love thee. But much more than praying, you need to get some thoughts. Downloaded it to your spirit. And then you need to get your boots on and your gloves. I begin to work. Because see, there is a post-COVID-19 era. There's a post-COVID-19 era. But only those who are ready, only those who are prayed. You can't be praying and forget thinking and acting. You can't be acting and forget praying. It will work. It will work. <laughs> That's how it works. You pray, you receive intelligence, you act on it. And the glory to God, you will be at the receiving end of a harvest. Because you have plugged into the power of the age to come. You know something every other person doesn't know. You know something. You know something. So when we talk about the prophetic ministry, it's not something that is just the, it's not just something that the prophets have access to. Every believer has access to see the future. Every believer. He will show you things to come. That's what the Bible says in John 16. Are we taking advantage of this? Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Because we are not here debating causes, debating effects, debating causes and effects. We are here aligning with the God of all outcomes. We are aligning with the God of all outcomes. The one that determines the end from the beginning. That's the one that we are aligning with. The one that knows tomorrow like it was yesterday. That is the one we are aligning with. And today we pray. We pray that in the name of Jesus we receive intelligence from on high. We receive intelligence from on high. We see the world to come. We see how to position. We see how to navigate. We see how to make the world a better place. We see how to act in a way that the world will benefit from. We see how to act like Abraham, who is the father of many nations, who through him all the nations of the earth are blessed. We become that in the next era, in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.